Who gives a fucking shit how long a scene is? I'm a Toydarian. Mind tricks don't work on me. Only the Sunday movie marathon. It's episode 30 this week. We made it, finally. We did it. We did. Against all the odds. We're still here. <laughs> 30 weeks on. Or 31 weeks on, because we missed that, that one week. Yeah, no it's more. crazy how we've managed to do it this many weeks in a row, only missing one. Yeah, God. Oh, we can keep it up. <laughs> we got Kai on again at very right. short notice. Thank goodness. Good to be here. Good to be back. Exciting times. It is. We got some interesting movies to talk about. Yeah, maybe the the weirdest collection that we've had. Like, every film couldn't be more different from the other film. Yeah, so you get a good variety in there. Nice. Should we kick it off? Yeah. Um, let's start with my film then, um, which is the film Seven Samurai, directed by Akira Kurosawa. Um, I've been getting into Akira Kurosawa recently. I've watched Rashomon and Ikiru, and I wanted to watch like all his like acclaimed films like, in release order, and this was the next one. So I thought, why not pick it for this podcast? The film is set in, obviously, Japan, I think in the 1500s, and it basically it's about this small little village that are getting ravaged by a group of raiders, and they decide that they need to hire seven samurais to protect them and stop the people from coming in and stealing all their crops and murdering all of them. It's a pretty epic three and a half hour movie. What did you guys think of it? Yeah, Jesus. Three and a half hours. You need to set aside some time for this. I appreciate maybe a lot of people don't have the time for this. I watched it in like two chunks. I, I was getting really tired in like the, the middle half, so I uh, <laughs> to like go to bed and then pick it up again uh, this morning actually I watched the rest of it but I've seen is it one more Akira Kurosawa movie that was Ran and I made the mistake of watching that when I was too tired to really appreciate it so I figured I'd best go to sleep and uh, pick it up uh, I don't think the viewing experience was dampened by that because this was pretty fantastic honestly this was absolutely amazing. Yeah, to be fair, there's like an intermission in the middle of it anyway. Yeah, I was like sitting through a lot of that. I was like, I mean, how long is this going to be? I had to like fast forward through it. It's like 10 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, what did you think, Kai? Oh, yeah, I, I love, loved it. It's uh, the second time I've watched it. I, I forgot how, how long it is, but how like quick it goes by. Like, I was a good two hours in. And I checked the time thinking it'd be like, I don't know, 40 minutes. So it's pretty crazy that he manages to keep such a good pace to the film. It never really drags. There's like one part that I found dragged a bit. But other than that, it's a, it's a pretty great three and a half hours. Yeah. yeah. It's inspired by like old Westerns. I got a lot from like the, the Western aspect to it. Inspired by like John Ford and his Westerns of the early days. It was like... Yeah, permeated throughout it. I was like, there's, it's obviously a western. Um, so in in that, it's kind of got like quite a simple story, but I think the execution is more artful in like its technical qualities. Yeah, definitely. It was um a huge influence on like a lot of the classic spaghetti westerns as well, and you can kind of definitely feel that. Obviously, um, the film The Magnificent Seven is basically just a straight up remake of this film. Hmm. But there's a lot of moments that really reminded me of films like The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, like those classic spaghetti westerns, like especially in some of like the samurai jewels throughout. Although there's not many of them, there's like a few, especially like the first one where 
um, one of the guys they're planning on hiring um, kills someone and then says he doesn't want to join them. That bit, there's like loads of long shots and it's like very tense and silent. And I thought that was all really well done. And you can definitely see that influence on a lot of Western films in the future. Is it weird that it reminded me of the Star Wars prequels? No, I mean, um, I've read I've read up on it. Um, apparently, uh, this was a big influence on like the the original Star Wars movies, like George George Lucas. Apparently, there's a, like a lot of uh, a lot of references in like the uh, first Star Wars movie. Okay, so cool. As long as I'm from. not going mental. Yeah. No, A New Hope is um, the story. I think basically copies the story to Kurosawa's film, The Hidden Fortress. Like apparently, the stories mm. are basically the exact same. Well, he was a hugely influential director. So like one of the, if not the top Japanese directors ever to live. And uh, having only seen like two of his movies, I can honestly just tell why. Um, this is like, I hate to like jerk off like old 50s movies, but we, we've, we've only talked about like some really good ones from that time. Um, and this is definitely like one of the best, uh, regardless of like a language barrier. I think it's just like kind of a classic story. Yeah, definitely. And it's a very simple story as well. Like, that's not me like slagging the story off or anything. It's a good story, mm. but I mean, in terms of like what happens in the film, it's very simplistic. There's not loads going on. Um, so the fact that it's like three and a half hours long and there's never a point where I felt like um, there was a scene that was unimportant to developing this story or the characters or anything is very like impressive i feel like this is a great example of just how effective storytelling can be in films yeah you get a lot from like the characters themselves the acting is like yeah. pretty phenomenal honestly all across the board you got these the seven samurai and i was like why is it called seven samurai oh it's because there are seven samurai who'd have guessed that <laughs> i never would have guessed that um but yeah, they're all all really good. Great dynamics between all of those all those actors. Uh, the characters are fantastic, and even like the the people in the village that they go to protect, who are sort of like cautious about them uh, to start with. They kind of got to gain their trust. But they're all really good too. The people that they honed in on, um, they like they have to call these uh, the samurai to defend them against the bandits. And I was like, this is like the Avengers or something when they're like. Yeah. Uh, trying to collect all these, uh, like recruit all the samurai to fight fight this cause. I was like, this is exactly like the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, supposedly this is like the first film to do that, or at least like one of the first films to do that, and like the first one to popularize it. Like, it's it's crazy how many like action movie tropes that like you see in every film nowadays was either like invented or popularized by this movie like obviously you've got like just the whole team aspect thing where like there's chunks of the film to recruiting them and getting their backstory and finding out about those characters or even like some of the like, like visual aspects like how they use like slow motion at some points in some of the battle scenes for like dramatic flair it's crazy just how how influential it obviously is watching it yeah the villagers were like um like i said they're very good um i found that like oh god what was i gonna say here <laughs> sorry completely forgotten um i like the like how how military was kind of integrated into it like you got all these uh like this huge amount of villages and some of them are like on the inner part of this village but some of them are also like not on the inner part they're like 
on the outskirts. I found it like I found their plight to be very realistic and very like because they're just yeah like it's a very human kind of uh, plight that they're going through. Like they just want to like live and survive, but like all they want is like their crops. But the bandits are taking them away, and their government's not giving them any help. So it's like even in like the first few scenes with them, you establish a a human element to the movie that really tethers you to kind of what this movie is about. I think it's about like uh, just like people really, or like systems of government and uh, like trying to help people. Um, It's got a very wholesome feel to it. Yeah. There's a great scene. I think it's like maybe the first or second scene where you see all the townspeople just cowering in fear and crying because like they just about dodged being raided again and i think one of them's like we need to fight back and someone says if you do that you'll get killed and he's just like it's better than this if we go there we'll at least we'll like die but if we win then they'll die or something like that i thought (laughs) that scene was really really great yeah i like the the part there was like a scene where the there's like a guy who comes into the village and he's like kidnapped a child and he's holding him hostage because he wants like food or whatever and then eventually like there's there's the samurai oh, what's his name the the main guy uh kame he was great too i loved him but he like talks him down he frees the kid and then he kills the uh the guy who took the kid hostage and everybody celebrates but i'm, I'm just like i found that to be more sad than anything because it's like that's not like He's not like a bandit, really. He's just like a guy who's gone without food. He's like just like them. So it's like you get these people who who there's like infighting between them. People who like just want like like some rice, you know. Uh, you see like how like how governments fail people, and you still see that like today. It's it's incredibly relevant to like the times we're living in now, even uh, like even across the world. I just uh, found that all that like commentary on like uh, society uh, to be very very great and relevant. Yeah. And um, like commentary on like society and stuff is something that seems to be very prevalent through what I've seen of Kurosawa, especially in um, Ikiru, where the whole film is basically just a social commentary. Mm. Which makes like the parts where they win and when they get these like small victories to be like all the better because they're, like I said, the dynamics are amazing and the acting is fantastic. And when they win, they get like, they recruit a samurai and everyone's really happy. And you see like their faces light up. Uh, and you get that a lot with like, like when, when the guy's feeding like the kids the rice or whatever and all the kids are like loving the samurai, they're like these icons, these beacons of hope for them. I found that to be very wholesome and endearing. Yeah, I love how, um, how real, like all the, obviously, it's not high stakes if you think about it in terms of like a modern action film because it's just 40 bandits but the way they like sure. prolong every single like bandit getting killed and you really feel the impact of the death and it's like it's such a big thing I really enjoyed that and I felt like it made it more realistic than like a lot of action films you get today where it's just senseless killing just everyone's dying all the time yeah the yeah, stakes definitely. are so monumentally high it's like the world's gonna end that's not yeah. what this is yeah, literally. Yeah. All the action sequences in like the last hours basically just there's like a series of action sequences and in between there's like characters like preparing for the next battle. But all the action sequences just feel so like realistic and just how measured and slow they are. Like like you said, Kai, like if you there's like a big impact when just one person dies, it's not senseless or anything like that. And I got a lot out of that. I loved the fact that in those sequences as well there's like just no music 
just is very tense watching it. I think the choreography and everything's really, really realistic. And the sequences after like these big battles where you just see like all these people like reacting to it and preparing for the next round, it does a great job of just like showing the pain and misery of violence rather than like just having violence and then showing it not affect anyone in any way. Yeah. When people die in this movie on the the friendly team, you feel for them because everyone's like so shocked when when like the villagers die and they're like holding them in their arms and sobbing when the samurai die it's just like horrible because it's like the hope is slowly being taken away like these infallible beings that we hired to protect us they so even they can't stop them mm. and they're like kind of outnumbered too there's like only seven samurai and like all these uh, uh bandits but i also like and bringing in again like the military tactician type of deal uh like they've got like maps they're drawing uh they've like planned out the land this is where the bandits are going to attack from uh this is where we need to set up camps and uh like they've got like their flag and the uh, the amount of enemies they know exactly how many they have to kill so it makes just every single death of the enemy bring them that much closer to victory yeah the geography and the layout of the village as well. I love how, as an audience member, you know every little detail of like where the bandits are going to come from and what exactly needs to be fortified. And it just, it, I feel like it makes you really involved because you're like, you kind of know where the next attack's coming from. And I think yeah. it's that one scene where I forget his name, but it's like kind of like the wild samurai. He goes off to prove himself mm. to get a gun and leaves some other villager like stationed on his post. And then obviously people get in. You're like, oh shit, like, here we go. You've ruined it now. Yeah. Yeah. I think Kurosawa does a great job of like building this world, like really encapsulating you into the universe. And I think that's helped by just how great like the set design is. Like it just feels so real. Like it really feels like you're watching this real piece of history. And apparently, yeah. like Kurosawa really fought to like build these real sets, like in just the middle of Japan rather than on a set like in a studio and i think it really helps the realism it just feels yeah. like an actual village helps that it's like in black and white too it feels very of that time like yeah you talk about like the set design it's all great uh and also like the costume design i thought was pretty fantastic even like down to like the villagers costumes they're like all worn and tattered um yeah. Sometimes maybe you can't communicate that in a black and white film if it's like you, you want to get every detail in, but it, you really see it. And especially like, um, I love like the samurai armor as well. That looked sick. <laughs> looks so, so cool. cool. And the katanas. Every time like, they brought out a katana, I was like, oh man, it's happening. It's so good. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the wild samurai you're talking about, Kai, is called Kichichio or something. Yeah. I don't know if I one. pronounced it mm. right. I think Kikuchio. he's. Yeah, I think he's so like the actor Toshiro Mifune is really great in the film. He just adds so much personality to that character. Apparently, he, like watched f films of lions in the wild for inspiration for the character, and like just watching him, he <laughs> just feels very unhinged compared to the other samurai who are like much more calm and collected. And I think um, Kurosawa did that intentionally because he wanted. He found the idea of having these seven samurai who are just like all the standard samurai kind of boring people. He just didn't find that very interesting. He liked the idea of having someone who was just crazy to add to, to add this interesting dynamic between them. And I think it was really great. I found him really entertaining to watch. 
Yeah, he's um he's really like it's kind of like ape like in his movements and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, he just it's a really like good physical performance and you can just tell that he's a little bit unhinged from the way he moves his body and his actions more so than his words. Yeah, there's a yeah. scene with him I really love where um he's like showing off to children to make him laugh. Like he's got all these people standing there with spears and he noticed one of them's like a spear that only a samurai could yield. And he like starts teasing him and making fun of him to make the children laugh. And I just found that really funny. Mm. I just really liked the character. Mm. A lot of great camaraderie between the samurai. Uh, yeah. There's like the kid who's not really a samurai, but he wants to be a samurai and they just let him tag along anyway. Just, just, to, just to make friends. There's like that one guy they recruit and he's like, yeah, I'm a samurai. I'll do it, but I don't really care about like the food, really. I just want to make friends. <laughs> yeah, I think he Kurosawa did a good job of um, creating these very distinct characters who are all different, but all very interesting. It's kind of difficult to do that with an ensemble movie like this, but I think he did a very good job. Yeah. Oh, that guy who was like, they find chopping wood. He's like so passionate about it. Just yelling every time he chops a piece of wood in half. <laughs> He's got like a line that says, um, where he says, there's always more opponents, so usually I just run away. Pretty relatable. That also speaks to like commentary as well on like society. It's like, there's always more. The fight's never done in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that theme of like, it's never done comes back around at the end where like, the villagers yeah. are celebrating, they're planning their whatever. And um, like the head samurai, the bold one. He's like, oh, we lost again. Yeah. With their land, the farmers are the victors, not us. Yeah. That was very poignant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was a great line. There's some really good lines, really great writing all throughout, I think. Definitely. Yeah. Like that, like he's, he, he hires this kid. He's like, oh, I've got one. He's not a very good samurai, but he's honest and he's a bit of a clown. So maybe we'll get a few laughs out of him. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the bar of entry. <laughs> Apparently he like, wrote a complete dossier for like every single character with a speaking role which had like super detailed like details about the characters including like what they wore what their favorite foods were their entire history their speaking habits how they reacted to battle like every single detail that he could possibly think of these characters and he also designed a registry of all the residents of the village to create like a family tree to help the extras like build their characters and relationships to each other to make it feel really real. I think just the attention to detail he put into this film is just crazy. The heck, God. Yeah. That's why you know you've been handled enjoy. by the master. Yeah. Sorry, Matt's gone. Oh, no. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, the one part I didn't really enjoy was the whole, um, like, it was the young samurai and he had this weird, like, relationship with a woman in the village and mm -hmm. her dad ends up, like, beating her up for it basically but that was the one part i thought dragged and just didn't need to be in there yeah i can see that i didn't have a problem with it but i can understand where you're coming from yeah i think they kind of explain it as like oh these things happened before before a big battle so i didn't really have that much of a problem i didn't like maybe the dad cutting her hair off to make her look like a boy i was like well that didn't really like mean anything in the end but I think that more speaks to like the paranoia of the father. Yeah. yeah. I think the film visually is fantastic. I love the cinematography. Like I feel like every shot just looks so meticulously framed and planned. It all looks really great. I love 
the usage of black and white in the film like I feel like if it was in color it wouldn't have looked quite as good there's something about it being in black and white that adds adds a lot to the film especially to its like tone and stuff especially when you get into like the final battle sequences where they're like in the mud like it's raining heavily and they're like just about standing up and attacking each other I think it just looks really great yeah that all looked fantastic I love that last battle sequence and just the rain and everyone's like tripping over in the mud the horses are like falling over you got that one guy who's like buried about 10 katanas in this pile of mud so that if one of them breaks he can get another one that all looks fantastic yeah. I was like I hope these horses like were alright because there were a lot of them yeah I did look up to see um what happened to the horses if anything any of them got hurt but I literally couldn't find any info about that no this is just one of those things isn't it so far back in history, I don't know if they like kept is it like Japanese like uh, information on like yeah. oh yeah and these these amount of horses died. I don't think they were really bothered about that back in those days. Probably not. No, the stunt work was crazy in this film. Like some of the fools people were taking off horses, I'd really be surprised if people didn't end a day of shooting with broken bones because <laughs> some of yeah. it honestly looked so painful. Yeah, it really did. There was like one shot where like a. They like hit a guy off his horse, but his horse keeps running and just drags him along in the mud. Yeah, I was like, there's no way you can fake that. That guy <laughs> literally just got dragged through mud for about 10 seconds. Yeah, it's fucked. I guess they had like no rules and regulations back then, so they could basically just do yeah. what they want. It's all for the art. <laughs> yeah. We're just having fun splashing around in the mud. <laughs> Pretended to be samurai. Yeah. I love how brutal that final battle sequence is as well. Like, there's no blood or gore at all, but it really does, like, it just looks painful, everything like that. Yeah, yeah, it does. Like, the, like, right at the end where uh, Kuchichio uh, gets shot, because they have, like, three guns in the movie. Like, that's the thing also. They have, like, three guns in this movie, and, like, when someone gets shot, you're like, oh, holy shit. Mm. Like, it, every bullet matters, and, like, every every time a shot is fired, even if you, like, don't see the gun that's being fired, everyone stops and, like, looks around for it. It's crazy. They, like, go to raid, like, the bandits earlier, and, like, one of their samurai die uh, because, like, he was shot. And I was like, what the hell just happened there? I thought it was, like, backfire from the fire from that was <laughs> burning the house. But no, they have, like, these three guns. Yeah. And, like, that was a great moment when, um, was it Kyuzo? He goes to get the bandit's gun. He comes back with it like a while later and he just nonchalantly says, ah, killed two. And he goes to sleep. Yeah. Apparently um, Kurosawa for the battle sequences, instead of like shooting each shot with like one camera moving on, he had loads of cameras around the place just recording it from multiple angles because he didn't want to interrupt the flow of the scenes and he felt it was like easier to edit that way. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it really like does feel like one big one big battle sequence. There's never a point where it does feel like it's like stitched together at all. I think using multiple cameras like that really does help. Yeah. That's the way to do it, honestly. If you're going for these big, big things, you obviously don't have like the crutch of CGI to like cut around. That's the way to do it, I think. He does it really well. Yeah. It's crazy how much of the action sequences and stuff not only hold up to this day, but like, even if they were to happen today, they'd still be incredible, I think. Yeah. Maybe you'd want more like gore. I don't know. Maybe you'd come to expect that kind of thing nowadays where people 
like they kill crazy, you know, <laughs> and they just want like more gore and more gore. I think that's where like you see directors like Quentin Tarantino deliver that kind of thing, and that's a lot of fun. But I don't think this needs it. I mean, what is it like a no. PG or something? It's still like brutal. I don't know if I would show this to a child, honestly. No, I wouldn't. No. Well, I've in the end uh, where uh, Kijikio he gets shot, but like he's like crawling along the floor, and he's like, "Nah, fuck this." There's like one bandit left, and <laughs> with his last breath, he just like stabs him it's so tense and it's awesome and then like the bandit dies he falls into the river and that was like as cathartic as it was like sad because like this the samurai that we've grown to love over this like three and a half hours has just died this it goes back to like every every death means something yeah definitely i think that that final kill that's like I feel like in a lesser film, it would be like more triumphant. Like there'll be like huge epic music happening while that happened, but it was very quiet. So I think it's like crazy that it still feels very satisfying despite how like subtle it is. Yeah. People are still crying. You almost expect like the rain to stop, but it just keeps raining. So they've won, but it doesn't really feel like it. (laughs) Yeah. I really love that. I love like the, the last shot with um, the samurai graves in the background you got these three yeah. remaining samurai looking over the people that they've saved who aren't paying them any attention anymore because they've done what they needed them to. And in the background, you've just got these mounds with like the katanas stuck in them. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's a really good shot. I think the film just generally has a super huge epic scope. Like, There's just such a great attention to detail and everything. The action sequences all feel incredibly grand. Just everything about this film, I think, is just huge and epic. And I was just kind of overwhelmed by the film. Like, it's crazy how they managed to get something like this done in the 50s. Like, like I said, even by today's standards, I feel like most of this film would probably hold up incredibly well if it was to come out today. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like maybe it would be, it would look a bit cleaner today if it were made by like a, one of the great directors. Um, but I, I, I admire and I value like the gritty detail of it. Like the, the, they're all like, it looks dirty and it looks like worn and lived in. I think that kind of thing is lost when maybe, maybe it was like shot on digital. That would probably be lost. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's the thing. Like not to be that guy that shits on modern action films, but <laughs> I feel like a lot of the time it's like, it's just focused on, it's the hero always in the frame and he's just mindlessly killing faceless enemies. Whereas this is like, it cut, it's not afraid to cut away from the heroes to actually show like the consequences of their actions and show just what they've done. And I think it really yeah. endears you to the characters. It makes them more human. And yeah, I just think the whole presentation of it is so much more exciting than say like, I don't know, Avengers 12. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like, Maybe in like a more modern film, you could you could get like these samurai, these heroes. Maybe you'd paint them to be a bit more fallible. But they're just as like broken as any other any other villager or or whatever. Mm. There's even like uh, the guy who comes in drunk and he's he's like, "Why are you so angry? You're probably are you a farmer's son?" And he just like runs away. So you get like that that human level, and like that's why he wants to be in on this as well. Um, I think. It, it's a lot to do with like sorrow as well. You say like they don't cut away from like the the worst parts. It's like because you need to show the violence. It's about it's about violence and what uh, corruption can do to to people and to a group of people and a society. There's like this great line where one of the samurai says, uh, "I've got nothing out of fighting. I'm alone in the world." 
it's like yeah if you just dedicate your life to like the blade <laughs> what are you what are you going to get out of it really yeah yeah i love the score in the film it's like super atmospheric and i think it fits really well with the film's period and setting i think there's so many great moments where the score's used i think it's just really great yeah i don't know i feel like i've heard this kind of score in a lot of movies from this kind of time i watched like Sancho the bailiff the other week and that was it was kind of like that as well like every like Japanese movie from this time I feel like has that like really like a pan flute almost and it's played like really terribly <laughs> I don't know why it just keeps sticking out to me yeah I, I, I enjoyed the score but like um, it's like kind of like the main theme I guess yeah that was like it was weirdly catchy and I just was humming it like for the rest of the day <laughs> apparently the film um it went in the end four times over the budget and took like 148 days to shoot. Like the production studio Toho, like apparently cancelled the film multiple times, like during filming because it had gone over budget. And Kira Kurosawa went in and personally argued with the board of directors to get them to carry on funding the movie. I think there was like one point, like I think the last time they pulled the plug and said, we're not going to film this anymore. He just went away and played golf because he knew that they'd go back to him because so much of the film was done. They didn't, they knew, he knew that they wouldn't want to waste what they've done already. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God it did get made. This movie is incredible. It's amazing. It's yeah. heart stopping. It really is. It's one of the great epics. I completely see why it's so revered. Maybe the story is like quite simple, but it's, you know, I feel like I haven't seen anything like this before. Uh, I guess that's why it stands out. Maybe it paved the way for these kinds of movies. Um, yeah. And I just, yeah, he's, he's one of the masters, honestly, Kurosawa. Yeah, it kind of just goes to show that a lot of the time studios get these things completely wrong because Toho were like convinced this would be a gigantic flop and they'd lose loads of money. But it's like possibly the most famous japanese movie ever made it's like one of the most iconic films in all the cinema and how what about ponyo no that's not even <laughs> his miyazaki's like most beloved film yeah so japanese isn't it <laughs> i guess you're right i was in a room the other day with some people who were saying like how great ponyo was I'm like, oh my god have you seen ponyo and they're like oh it's amazing <laughs> is it though <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I'm not seeing it, because <laughs> I've heard that it's not good. <laughs> um, have we got anything else to add to this film, or are we good to go to rating? I like the part where he says, give a wolf an arm and they'll take the legs too. It was very <laughs> profound. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of profound writing throughout, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of um, a lot of good, like, Eastern culture ways of saying things that is like, so vastly different to how Western culture would explain it yeah. which i enjoyed yeah. hearing you could almost got to go into these movies from different countries with like uh, kind of different expectations and mindsets because they all do cinema differently you know to, to like western western cinema yeah i like that part where, like in the end battle with that horse is just kicking about people get so close to that horse i was like jesus Christ, this is a real horse get away from it please <laughs> yeah like one kick in the head from that and you're literally like you yeah. could die <laughs> So I got like scared when like they were swinging swords at it as well. I'm like, oh my god, they must be so stressed out. Those horses, <laughs> like for sure, they the, like. There's there's no way that no animals were harmed in the making of this movie. No, eighty uh, percent of them turned into glue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I imagine a few 
horses either got horribly injured or died. Yeah, probably. What a shame. On a lighter note, I did laugh out loud when like the guy's running around drunk and he's like, here's my papers. And he said, really? You're 13? You look a bit older than 13. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a few comedic moments throughout, to be fair, that I liked. Yeah. I think a lot of like the comedy and the joy that I get from the movie is like just the dynamic between the samurais. Because even though like, yeah. they've only just met each other, they're very friendly with each other and they feel like a family. That's why it's so much sadder when like, each of them dies. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, should we go on to ratings? Yeah. Should we rate this out of rice balls? Rice balls. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm really glad I finally watched this. I completely understand why this is like so beloved and like considered one of the the great movies. It's such an incredibly well-made film in every single way that I found it hard to really think of anything I didn't like about it. And I'm looking forward to rewatching it again at some point although i'm gonna have to get it on blu-ray at some point because i've got i've got it on dvd but it's like 20 minutes shorter for some reason oh so which i found out like when i went to watch it so i watched it on bfi player instead so i could have the entire experience yeah but yeah anyway i'm gonna give this 10 rice balls out of 10 incredible movie very cool very nice um akira kurosawa i love him so much i want to check out more of his movies um, I've got another movie to recommend from him in the pipeline, so we'll see when that is. It's also quite long. He makes long movies, I guess. Um, he does. Worth every second, though, as was this. And I love it. I'll get the Blu-ray for sure at some point. Um, and I'm going to give it ten rice balls out of ten. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same as you guys. I thought it was great. Um, I'm not sure. If it's my favourite Kurosawa, because I really, really love Throne of Blood, but it's mm. definitely like top two for sure. Um, and yeah, I'll give it 10 rice balls out of 10 as well. Awesome. Nice. Perfect scores around the board. Go check it out if you've got four hours to spare. <laughs> Some people don't. Some people don't have four hours to spare. I get it. Yeah, or just split it in the middle because there's a, there's a interlude. You can yeah, stop halfway through, go back a different day. Yeah. I like picked it up straight after I woke up as well so it was still fresh in my mind i like paused it went to bed woke up and then started watching it again yeah i watched it this afternoon it took up like half my day yeah not surprising <laughs> now we get on to a movie that is significantly shorter uh and it is an animated movie i had not seen this before it is directed by Brenda Chapman, Steve Hickner and Simon Wells from 1998 the prince of egypt is basically just uh like it's well you know we all know the story of moses parting the seas saving the slaves egypt uh and he does just that in this so if you know that story from exodus you know exactly what happens in this movie um that is what happens uh streamworks movie as well so yeah people people like really really go on about this movie say it's fantastic um i didn't think it was fantastic but i, I did like it uh what did everyone else think <laughs> Um, uh, this is my first time watching it since I was a kid. I remember watching it a few times because I went to like a a Christian after school club at this yeah. church near my house, and we watched it there a couple of times. And I remember never really liking it that much, so I was interested to see what I thought rewatching it after so many years. And yeah, I, I still didn't really like it that much. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a bad movie. I just didn't think it was. A very good movie either yeah i'm um i'm like nostalgic about it because 
I went to two Catholic schools and we used to just watch it like every year at Christmas, pretty much. It was like the go-to film that teachers would put on when they've given up teaching you before the Christmas <laughs> holidays. And um, yeah, yeah I, I enjoy it. I don't think it's great, but I had a good time watching it, I guess. And um, some of the songs are good. The animation's a bit weird. Um, and the voice oh, cast fuck, yeah. is pretty hit or miss. Mm. You got Ray Fiennes playing uh, Ramesses. I liked yeah, him. He was great. Yeah. No, I had a problem with like the the voice actors, honestly. I looked up at the cast and I was like, oh, this is pretty white. Yeah, that was yeah. my issue with it as well. It's massively like westernized. So that that kind of ground on me a little bit. Um I I like honestly, like the, my problem mostly with this movie is that I know exactly what happens in it. Um I know the story already. And I don't think it's like I mean, like whatever, you know. I'm not I'm not I'm not like religious or anything. Um but I I mean I grew up with like Bible stories. You go to different like you go to school in like south of England, you're gonna get these kinds of things. And so I knew exactly what was gonna happen. So none of it were really surprised me. I would almost want something that kind of diverted from the story, maybe just played around with it a little bit, uh change things up for like, viewers, uh give us something a bit different than what everybody already knew. Yeah, I think my biggest problem when it comes to the storytelling is more that I feel like there's a lot of really great biblical stories that are like just so iconic and epic in a lot of ways. And I feel like this film doesn't really tell the story in that interesting of a way. Like I feel like there's so much more they could have done with this story and told it in like a much more interesting and exciting and entertaining way. But it just kind of felt quite dull for me. So much of the film, in my opinion, just felt like a group of people trying to recapture what made like the 90s Disney movie so good, like recapturing all the charm of those movies and never really being able to capture it. And for me, it just kind of came off a bit heavy handed at points. Yeah, I wanted like really nice animation. Sometimes I did get that from this, uh, but like sometimes it would it would feel very weird and very strange. The animation, like just layers would be like out of focus, or just like there would there were no outlines to things. There's like the part where uh, Moses's birth mother puts him on the water, and like the basket looks fucking weird. It looks like <laughs> it just blends in with like the water. I'm like, what the? Who did this? <laughs> Yeah, it's that yeah. really horrible mix of like 2D animation, which is good, and then 3D animation, which wasn't quite where it needed to be at that time in like animation history. And it just looks a bit yeah. janky and out of place. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I also noted that down. Some of it like did genuinely look good, like some of the blending of 3D and 2D, but a lot of it doesn't look very good at all. And it's not like even at this time that it couldn't be done, like... The Lion King came out, I think, like four mm. years before, and yeah. that has a lot of blending of 3D and 2D, and that still looks incredible to this day. But yeah, it just didn't look quite as good here. Also, I felt like a lot of the mouth movements looked really weird. Like a lot of the characters open their mouths like really wide, and there's points <laughs> where some of the things they're saying look completely out of time. Like especially with Ramesses. Um, his vo his mouth um, like barely moves at points, and like it never looks like he's actually saying what he's saying. And I don't know whether that was like an issue with 
like the transfer that's on now TV or what, but it just it didn't look right at all. Yeah, it's a shame really because then like Shrek came out like three years later. Yeah, it's like three D animation, I guess, and that's like, but it looks so much better. They really improved. I mean, they've improved so much since now, since uh, since nineteen ninety eight. Obviously, you got like the How to Train Your Dragon movies. They look fantastic. Um, but then like I do compare this to like the Lion King, you know, or even like Toy Story or Toy Story two, which came out a year after this. That looks fantastic. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like. I could say like, oh yeah, but that was like Disney and this is DreamWorks, but it's like DreamWorks, were, were they not like loaded back in those days? I don't know. Yeah, they were like run by Steven Spielberg and yeah, Jeffrey but, Katzenberg, who was a an ex-Disney head. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I can't really excuse these these things. Uh, it's a shame because there's a lot that I do like. Like a lot of like the landscapes look really nice. Uh, yeah. He's going through like the desert. That looks good. Like all the rocks. Uh, you got like these like swirling red type of textures to them, or like the, my personal favorite part was when he parted the sea. That looked phenomenal. I thought that looked yeah. absolutely amazing. I like gasped when that happened. I was like, Jesus Christ! Like that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, apparently that sequence took ten animators two years to complete, and you can tell Jesus. it looks incredible. Oh my god! <laughs> and um, I really like the character designs and how. There's like a lot of points where they incorporate elements of like Egyptian art and hieroglyphics into like designs and settings. Like there's a great moment where it's like very early on, it's like a really subtle bit where I think it's Moses and Ramesses are walking down steps and it literally looks like something that's like from a painting in a tomb. And there's a dream sequence as well that's all painted like that. That did look mm. a little bit off, but I do like the idea of incorporating all that art into it. I used to love that sort of stuff as a kid, so watching it now is like very nostalgic to me. Yeah. Go big or go home. You want these great ideas in these movies. Uh maybe like some of the times they don't work, but if you get some that do, more power to you, you know. And those are the things that stick in people's memories. I would rather that than I would rather a movie that like tried but like missed a few times and but in the end, you got like a lot that was really memorable about it than like some movie that tried to play it safe and just didn't really care. Mm. There was a great shot with like the Pharaoh talking to Moses, like his uh, his father, and there's like a huge sculpture uh, of the Pharaoh in the background that like it was like perfectly lined up with. That was fantastic. It's, yeah. it's like it shows how imposing he is, like how how huge of a figure he is in Moses's life. Yeah, I do have a lot, a lot of respect for the film. Like, I can tell a lot of effort went into it, and I can, like, I can tell that this was definitely like a passion project. Like, I definitely mm -hmm. don't think this is like like some animated films, maybe like where it's just made for kids, where they don't give a shit about it. They just want to chuck something into the cinemas to make a quick buck from the parents taking their kids to the cinema. That that isn't what this film feels like at all. It does feel like a lot of effort and passion has been put into it. I just don't think it comes together completely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also feel like it's not particularly preachy. It's just it's telling the story. Yeah. Um, I, don't, yeah. I don't get like the feeling that like a bunch of like Christian animators got together and they're like, you know what, would be really great. Like, it doesn't feel like that at all. <laughs> It does. I've got to give it like credit as well because um, it's uh, it goes so dark. Like it's not. Oh yeah. Not a massively like child friendly film. So 
I've got to give it credit for that as well. Yeah, you see like slaves actually being whipped. Like a lot of it mm. was really brutal. You see like the the whip marks and they're bleeding on their backs. That looked fantastic. Um I just like I I love how it starts on the slaves. So you get like a perspective of like this is what's happening in in this time and then we go to royalty and you see like how how the royal uh, like the pharaoh has like oppressed these people. So you're immediately on their side because they're the people who were suffering. And then you've got like the saviour, Moses, who's going to come and take them all. Um, there was like a part where um, he like go, runs up, he sees a slave being abused and like he runs up to the guy who's doing it and he pushes him off the, the high rise. And it's, it makes it like sickening crunch. You see him fall. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. I did not expect that to happen. It was so cool. Yeah. And there's also a bit where um, the they kill like all the egyptian children at one point oh fuck yeah <laughs> yeah that was pretty brutal i, was I didn't actually really understand what was going on there um i feel like that's more like a criticism from me of the original story like it seemed really mm-hmm. stupid that god someone who's like tries to preach love and forgiveness and there he is like just murking a bunch of kids because they they're they belong to people who are terrible. It just seemed quite hypocritical. Yeah. I don't know like loads about Christianity or like this God. Um, but didn't he like kill a lot of people? Honestly, I feel like he, he kind of sniped a few. Old <laughs> Testament God day. was like kind of on a killing spree. Yeah. Like pretty much every story or every book in the Old Testament is just God asking for people to sacrifice their sons Mm. Or just going around killing people because they've not listened to him. He's kind of a bit of a psychopath in the Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, there's the part where all the kids are dying, but it's only like it, you don't see them die. It's just like this light that comes from the sky and goes through the town. And if, like, you didn't want your kids to die, uh, if you, like, worshipped God and you were, like, good, then you'd paint some blood on your door and he wouldn't kill you. <laughs> he wouldn't kill your kids. And then, like, it goes into these houses and these kids are, like, screaming. And then, uh, it, I mean, it looks really cool, but Jesus Christ, it was horrible to witness. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, afterwards, you get, like, this horrible pain screams from all the, all the parents who have lost their children. And it's just, it's so dark. And I like, I do like it, that about it, that it doesn't go for this, like, uh, kiddie f- fun type of thing. Um, it's, it's not, I don't know if it's for, like, little babies, you know? It's maybe for kids or, like, young teenagers, I suppose. Uh, and then, like, Ramesses' son dies. That was horrible. Mm. And he's like, Fuck this, <laughs> leave. Go on then, you've got what you wanted. But yeah. it's like, well, I don't know. I feel like he could have just killed Moses. Like, fuck you. He's <laughs> like, yeah, man. Yeah, bro, I told you God would do this to you. You didn't listen to me, bro. I would have just killed him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'd think that um, God would just kill Ramesses, make it like over and done with like really quickly. No, God's an extra. He's an <laughs> extra guy. <laughs> Likes the drama of it all. Yeah, apparently so. He's like Jigsaw. He won't do the murdering himself. He gets other people to do it for him. <laughs> yeah. When you survey the Bible a bit more, you see how similar it is to Saw. <laughs> God. I found all the characters really uninteresting. I didn't care <laughs> about any of them or their motivations. I just didn't give a shit. <laughs> and I think part of that may may have to do with the the acting being very all over the place 
which is a shame because <laughs> there's like a crazy amount of huge actors in this film like obviously Ray Fiennes Val Kilmer Patrick Stewart mm. um, Danny Glover Jeff Goldblum so many huge names in this film and I think a lot of them are quite over the place especially Jeff Goldblum I don't think he was very good in this film <coughs> at all yeah who was he? some guy he was um, <laughs> Aaron oh okay pretend like I remember who the hell that is yeah so maybe <laughs> I do agree with you maybe I do maybe, maybe the characters aren't that great no Moses was fine. Val Kilmer was fine, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I thought Kilmer. Val Kilmer was the worst performance in the whole film. Yeah. <laughs> Every <laughs> line delivery was, was exactly good. the same as the last. And I was like, mix it up a bit. I suppose so, yeah. Damn. Yeah, I just found it, that character especially was just so boring to me. It was boring. It was definitely boring. But like I say, I've seen it all before. I know this story. I know exactly where it goes. And they yeah. didn't put any kind of spin on it. So what can you really get out of it? Uh, it's not going to be a new experience in terms of like storytelling if you know the story. And I feel like most people do. That's the thing, isn't it? It's like if you're making a religious film, you either go one or two ways. You go like uh, Last Temptation of Christ where you completely alter the story and piss off every Christian <laughs> in the world and get loads of backlash or you play it safe like this and sort of just tell a down-the-middle retelling of the original story. Yeah, it's a shame really. I feel like yeah. this could have been fantastic. It could have been really good. Um, yeah. And I still like it, honestly. I do. I don't want to shit on it too much. I do like it. Um, but yeah, just maybe we do something a bit more creative. I feel like I've seen better interpretations of religious stories in different films. Um, I've not seen, uh, was it The Passion of the Christ? Whatever. Um, Last Temptation like of Christ. Last Temptation. Yeah, that one. Uh, not seen it, but I would like to. People yeah. will say it's very good. And people say this is like really good. You like talk to people about it. Like, oh yeah, this movie's fantastic. Really? Is it? I don't. I don't know that it is. Or maybe it's just like a telling of a story that you grew up with that you find endearing and nostalgic. Perhaps it's that. Yeah. Yeah. I went in with high expectations because although I never really enjoyed it as a kid, it's like so beloved. I thought maybe I was just missing something that back then. Maybe I like didn't enjoy it because it's like more of a mature story and it's like it's not like funny or anything like that. But yeah. No, I just still don't really enjoy it. Well, there is comfort in like familiarity, isn't there? Yeah. You, know, you watch this and you don't really have to think about it because you know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. There's a few parts where they have like comic relief in there, which like feel really out of place and ruin like some of the tone of certain scenes. Like the yeah. film is just like so dark and serious. Though anytime there's like a comedic moment, it just really takes me out. And I kind of felt the same way with the music. I. I felt like that was yep. really out of place and I, I didn't enjoy any of the music. I found all of it super forgettable. It was like yeah. not a single song I remember in the slightest. And I, yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. feel like the film probably would have been better without that. I agree. Definitely. I'm like, why, why did it need to be a musical? First of all, is it cause it's for like kids? Kids need music. To, cause like, if it's not a musical, then you don't have like the lighthearted angle and it's just like slaves being whipped. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I feel it's like, like that is it. It's like Disney films have songs, so DreamWorks were like, well, we need to put songs in it because that's what yeah. Disney do. Yeah, exactly. You didn't pull it off, unfortunately, DreamWorks. Sorry. I think I probably wouldn't have had a bigger, big problem with it if the songs were like actually like memorable and good. Yeah. Like, um, I don't want to keep comparing it to Disney, but like even a year later, they did Tarzan, which has like some of the most memorable like music in any. F- like Disney movie of the 90s and that's mm. like also 
quite a dark story. There's like a lot of death and violence in that. And I think that just handles all of that so much better than this does. Yeah. Well, maybe they couldn't get Phil Collins. Well, they got, um, I think it's Mariah Carey sings a version of one of the songs at the end. Yeah. Well, it's, um, exactly. That's what I mean. It's the big X Factor song, isn't it? They always use it in the final of the X Factor when it's like the montage of everyone's best moments. And yeah. I was like really shocked when it showed up in this because I'd forgotten <laughs> it was in it. And I was like, this is the X Factor song. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so when you believe or something. Yeah. Damn. Shame. <laughs> it's a shame. Yeah. I don't remember any of the music either. Um, yeah. It's got um, Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey singing. So I feel like they could have yeah. probably put the money they spent towards getting them to sing that one song to getting a better songwriter. Yeah, it could have incorporated something like like Egyptian uh, like musicians or artists. Mm. Put it put in some of the, the cultural aspects of it. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just like white people portraying these brown people making yeah. a movie for America. I don't know. Yeah. Have had it like um the Lion King is with like all this like tribal sort of inspired music throughout. Yeah. They don't think about these things. Yeah. I think that was my biggest problem with the music is it was all so sanitized and like just not even remotely Egyptian sounding. Yeah. No. That with like like the the music, uh the songs that they were singing, but also the score as well. I mm. can't really remember it. It's a shame. I didn't like the part where, like, Ramesses says for his henchmen to show Moses their answer to, like, his stick turning into a snake. And they just, like, put on a musical. Yeah, that was so unnecessary. Yeah. They could have, like, just simply said no, and that would have been yeah. the end of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that's the problem with this movie as well. It's like, you get, like, these story beats and they just drag them out for, for forever. And even though it's yeah. not a very... It's, a, it's quite a short movie, honestly. I didn't really feel the time. Um... Because I was just like taking it as it was, it was like much that you had to think into, and some I was just like kind of enjoying like uh, some of the animation uh, as well, and, like how it was put together, like looking at like the technical aspects. But then like they bring out these guys, do a song. I'm like, this is your answer. Just put on like a play. <laughs> yeah. Why are you doing this? And like at the end of it, like what have you accomplished? Oh, we can do weird shit too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that happened yeah. when like he they turned the the the, the lake to blood. He's like, we can turn some water red too. Look at this. He puts like a powder in some water. It's like, oh, they've got it too. We're never going <laughs> to get out of here. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't even like um, tackle the entire Moses story. So I feel like they could have, <laughs> like, they could have cut it down a little bit and like talked about the rest of it. Like, you don't even get to the Ten Commandments. Like, the film literally ends just as he's about to do it. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what happens then anyway. You don't need to see it. Yeah, but and I knew I what happened regardless. <laughs> Did I really need to see him part the seas? Yeah, because it was epic. It was awesome. I love that part. This is the best part of the movie. It was, it was genuinely yeah. quite scary as well. Like the sound design in that part not genuinely creeped me out a bit because I've got a fear of being underwater anyways. Yeah. And um, yeah, it just it sounded really like dangerous. Like, it could literally collapse at any minute and just kill millions of people. Yeah. It's funny they make that part like really epic. Or they explain all this stuff that God's telling Moses to do. But then like the plagues come down, like the frogs fall from the sky or whatever, and the, mm. they come out of the water and like the locusts. And they're just like, you know this. We don't have <laughs> to explain why any of this is happening. You know exactly why this is happening. It's like, why do you feel the need to explain this, but not like like the plagues? Yeah, they're very selective what they um, choose to explain. Because if you're showing this to a child, trying to like 
get them into the story, they'll be like, what the fuck is happening with this? Why is the frogs coming out of the water? All right. <laughs> I really liked that plague sequence where you've got like all the frogs appearing and like locusts attacking them. I thought that was really mm. well handled. Although, like you said, they don't really explain it. Yeah. I, I like how it, how it looks, I guess. I just don't... You, maybe you could have explained it a bit. Because you said, God's going to send a plague, and that's all you had to do. It's going to be in tears. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out for the frogs. This apparently was like Jeffrey Katzenberg's like passion project. He was trying to get it made at Disney. So when he finally founded DreamWorks... That was like the first thing they put into production and they hired like loads of ex-Disney animators for it as well. And he was like, apparently he conferred with like 600 religious experts to make the film as accurate and faithful to the original story as possible. And like, even after like they had like a basically a finished version of the film, he was still like screening it to religious scholars and stuff, like trying to get them to say whether it was, whether he nailed it or not, or whether there was anything they needed to change. And you can definitely tell that there's a good attention to detail when it comes to like the accuracy of everything. Yeah, but I feel like maybe like, that's all well and good, but sometimes it can be a crutch if you just have this yeah. story laid out in front of you. Like It's just like a beat-by-beat beat thing. It's like, you know this happened, you know this happened. It's like, okay, and we're just going to watch it unfold, and I know exactly what's going to happen, and I know like he's going to part the sea, he's going to do the Ten Commandments, they don't show it, but you know exactly what's going to happen after that. Uh, you know about the plagues, and you know about... like him saving the slaves it's like okay it's like let my people go you're like we know he's gonna he's gonna do it bro just if you knew what what's happening in this story as well you'd just wait it out but you're in the story <laughs> i guess <sighs> oh, um have we got anything else to add or are we good to go to the rating i think we can go to the ratings honestly it's a short film there's not tons to say about it especially when everybody knows what happens anyway yeah um, what should we rate yeah. this one out of? Plagues. Sure. Um, yeah, like I said, this I don't think it's an amazing movie. I don't think it's a terrible movie. I just don't love it still. I I guess I'd recommend it. It's like interesting watching this era of DreamWorks because it's like very different to what they would go on to do. Like it's interesting seeing them do a 2D animated movie, even if I don't think all the animation is too good. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give this five plagues out of 10. It was decent, but I didn't live, love it. Yeah. Probably the book's better based on a book. I don't know if you know this. Yeah, probably not. That's probably better. <laughs> um, you know, some of the animation pretty good. Uh, it's, it's an easy watch, honestly. So I wasn't, I'm, I'm not like angry with it in any way. Uh, yeah. it's just, it's simple. It's a simple story. Uh, watch it to waste an hour and a half. I don't know. Uh, and there's there's still like good stuff about it. Still like got good animation and Ray Fiennes was pretty good, I guess. <laughs> um, and so a lot of brutality to it. That's what I got out of it the most, I suppose. Um, yeah, it was decent. I'll give it a six plagues out of ten. Yeah, I'm I'm the same with you guys. Like I enjoyed watching it. I could not have any ill feelings towards it. I just feel like they could have done something a bit more like special with it so yeah probably like straight down the middle like five plagues out of ten yeah oh that's one thing as well they like his his sister was like trying to see if like the basket would make it to the shore but she like followed it anyway so it's like why couldn't you have just carried it to them in <laughs> yeah. the first place why do you have to like get battered by these oars that he definitely would have been killed by and drowned oh dear 
and they like expected him <laughs> to like save them when 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 they gave him up to the pharaoh when he grew up but like why would that like he was just a baby he'd just been born basically and then why would it not make him just as unsympathetic to their plight when he grew up stupid man good movie though <laughs> decent enough yeah so that brings us on to our guest pick then uh cool so i picked uh red road which is andrea arnold's debut i believe yeah um yeah, she went on to make like Fish Tank and American Honey and stuff. Um, but it's basically about set in Scotland. Um, it's about a, a woman who works in like a CCTV observation place, I guess, to help with like police reports and stuff. She can follow crimes and give the CCTV footage to the police. Um, and one day she sees someone who she didn't expect to see on her, uh, her CCTV monitors. And that's like a, it's like she becomes obsessed with him and all she does is track him and follow his every movement. Um, and there's clearly some sort of deep past between them. Uh, the film doesn't reveal that until pretty much the last like 15 minutes. Um, so the whole time you're kind of just sat there thinking like, why is this woman so obsessed with this man? Um, but yeah, what did you guys think of it? Go ahead, Max, because I have a fair amount. <laughs> so. Yeah, I liked it. Um, it was good movie uh didn't love it honestly um reminded me too much that we live in a, a surveillance state like oh we're being watched all yeah. the time every second of the day we're being watched um i feel like like you said about like the the reveal at the end but i honestly felt like i already knew what was gonna happen i understood i kind of understood why she was like tracking this guy and like getting in with like the people who were around him and him um so like when it was revealed, I was like, that makes sense. I've kind of figured that was what was going on anyway. So maybe mm. it, it, perhaps it was trying to rely on like this big shock, but I, I didn't feel shocked. I was just kind of consistently like, this is decent <laughs> throughout it. Yeah. Um, I really loved this movie. I thought it was an incredibly well done movie. It was, um, shot in the Dogma 95 style. So it's like all handheld, like a lot of natural light has yeah, to be like tell. graphic sex in it because that was like a big thing of Dogma 95 and um, it's just as like disturbing as a lot of those films are um, but like especially in the last like 15-20 minutes it gets like really strange and I was like just sat there like super confused as to what was happening I just love the way that they kind of build up the like what actually happened between um, Jackie and Clyde and why she's like tracking him although like you said Max it isn't like a huge secret like it's kind of hinted at and you can kind of guess very early on why she's doing it I just really loved how they kept it a secret throughout and like there's multiple points where there's like characters talking about this event that happened and they just kind of brush it off and don't like delve into it. There's never like a huge Eureka moment where they like explain everything in depth, really. It's just like feels very natural and I really loved all of that. Yeah, I loved um I loved how real it was and I've got a big problem with like British cinema and the British film mm. industry because I feel like they don't tell interesting stories about working class people in yeah. favour of like posh people and Stephen Hawking biopics and Benedict Cumberbatch and Eddie Redmayne and mm. Tom Hiddleston have all got to be in it. So I really loved watching this and it's like genuine working class people talking with their native slang. And yeah, I just, I loved seeing that and I wish we saw more of it in British cinema, to be honest, because 
I feel like it's a very underappreciated and not not many stories out there about it. Yeah, it captured the the essence of like Britain super mm. super well. I I love how it looked um, because it looked disgusting the entire yeah. time. It's just like you see like 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 you said, Kai. It's like you watch these British movies. Maybe they present written in in a type of way maybe it's trying to be like like all nice and like give it like a a nice backdrop give, give people a reason to come here but this is like it's set in like like places where like i, I live uh uh, just around here and I'm like this is exactly what Britain is like it's always downcast it's always like overcast the sky is grey the ground is always damp because it's always raining uh, you got like these like council estates that look disgusting <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like, like these huge buildings that like tower above you and just block out the sky just like a load of concrete everywhere i found that to be a very realistic portrayal of britain um yeah it's just there's like no like bright coloring really to like the outside especially um but it's just like filled with like these dirty buildings and like drab colors mm. um maybe maybe in a different movie and that could feel like a bit like like they weren't trying but this it really captures it very well, and I think the Dogma Ninety Five uh, way of filming this probably helped with that as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So many films set in Britain like just seem to glamorize it in a lot of ways. Like I think recently the only British films I've watched really are like the Paddington movies I watched recently, and even them yeah. like present London in this very like glamorous and like bright way. So it's nice to see something that shows it in a much more realistic way like it doesn't hide the fact that so much of england and britain is so like bleak and disgusting and drab and like you never really feel safe walking through it at night and stuff like that <laughs> and i think they capture that really well like just watching like the main character jackie walk around the streets like you don't know what it is it's just i never like felt like she was safe like just walking around like especially when she gets into like the size of like huge flats and stuff like that that look really grotty like i think it's especially because you don't really know what happened to the character in the past you don't really know her backstory and it's like a bit where she's like watching cctv and see someone get stabbed in the streets in broad daylight so Mm. uh, i think the setting really adds a lot of tension to just simple scenes that probably otherwise wouldn't have been very tense yeah that's just what happens in britain though you see a couple of people get stabbed every now and then. Like you walk down the street, uh, maybe like you were talking about like the Paddington movies. Maybe they would don't portray Britain in this type of way because like that would conflict very much with what those movies are going for. Like I don't want to like watch Paddington. Like he sees like some people having sex down a dark alleyway. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't want that. I don't want to see like loads of trash on the street. There's trash everywhere in this movie. It's everywhere. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's it's because because there is. That's that's Britain. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that it doesn't like it's not condescending. It's not like a Guy Ritchie film where it hams it up to like <laughs> kind of play oh, they're so cheeky, look at them, they're so working class. It's like, no, this is reality for them. And obviously you've got that scene where they steal Jackie's purse when she goes round to like give Clyde the whiskey. And um mm. they use the money to go out and he gets in a fight with his dad and they have to come back and he's really drunk. And he's like, he says to his girlfriend, I wish we had money all the time. Like, I just I had a good time. I wish we could do it again. It's like that yeah. kind of like desperation and there's no real way out. But you're just, you're constantly oppressed in that atmosphere. And 
you put in this big tower block living wall to wall with other people and it's like there's no freedom there's no there's no way out and i thought that like oppressive anxiety was really well captured as well yeah like the guy saying that that was like a fantastic night for him but he was just like down the pub yeah exactly <laughs> it's like just a standard night of the pub but for him that was like something special yeah and get to do it a lot it was mm. like a lot to do with like uh i don't know what, like, what state britain was in at that time i feel like that was before like the financial crash uh but it speaks to like like the economy of britain and how people kind of get left behind mm. yeah definitely i liked um there's a scene where there's like a house party in clyde's um is flat and it just reminded me of like every house party i went to in college like there's yeah. just a bunch of people par together jumping around to oasis and doing the cha-cha slide that was like exactly yeah. what i remember that's yeah, the best that's use of an oasis song <laughs> yeah i liked it was that oasis song as well instead of like wonder wall don't look back in anger Mm. Like the part where she has sex with that guy in the van. They just like drive yeah. out to like like a meadow somewhere and like have sex in this van. Like, All right, what's happening here? Yeah, so uh, those things I find quite sad because obviously she she really struggled to let go of her husband and her daughter, like obviously dying, and she like sleeps with the, their ashes and stuff. And it's like she mm. she has to just like meet up with this married guy once a month or whatever it was, and have like passionless sex just because she wanted to feel something yeah it's very sad but maybe she doesn't feel anything at all honestly yeah because it doesn't seem enjoyable no just and then it's like she's in a routine yeah it's a shame there's like a part where she's with her dad i think alfred uh and he's like at her place and he says uh this garden was nice when you moved in and he's seeing to you've let it go i was i thought that spoke it was probably like a reflection of like her her life. I didn't understand like what she was like upset about at that point or like what her motivations were. So I was like, this is kind of maybe it was about like a relationship with her husband or child or just a reflection of her life in general. Yeah. I liked uh, so much of the films that are very quiet. It's quite a slow moving film, but I think that really an- intensifies the mystery and like there's great atmosphere and tension throughout. And I think the music helps add to that as well. Like so much of the music is super dissonant and quite eerie. Like there's a scene, especially I really love where like um jackie's following clyde into this cafe and it's super tense because there's like this really like tense music playing that's like very like dissonant and loud i thought that was all really great yeah it's also just this grotty environment anyway yeah and like the middle of like surrounded by these council buildings i wouldn't want to go into a coffee shop in this kind of place honestly (laughs) I thought um, all the performances were really good. I loved both Kate Dickey and Tony Curran. I think both of them do a great job of creating these like really strange and quite flawed characters. Like they're both of them, I feel like are like I said, quite flawed. But there's something about them where you connect to them in some ways. Yeah, probably. I think they're like they're also reflections of just like people you meet every day. Yeah. Uh, or like you, you get to know them at like work or or school. Uh, you see how these people are raised and the the situations that they live in. Um, so I kind of feel I almost feel sorry for for a lot of them because uh, it's just these situations that they can't control. Uh, and this is just how they have to live. And 
were a great time to them as just like a night at the pub and it's almost like kind of sad in a way yeah. no, it is sad it's really sad yeah it's uh both their performances are really vulnerable as well like they don't hide anything and there's a yeah. like obviously there's like physical nudity on show but a lot of it seems like it's a lot of like deep-rooted and dark things within themselves that they're kind of like opening up and showing to us and some of it's quite difficult to watch especially uh that scene after like jackie's kind of made up made her peace with clyde and she goes to alfred's house and just breaks down in tears because she's finally ready to scatter her husband's ashes yeah do you think they were her parents i thought they were her parents uh she'd, she'd gone to visit or maybe no, like I, I thought they were the parents of her um yeah of her husband, husband. yeah yeah so it could have been that and that's like you get the sense that she hasn't been there for like years or she hasn't talked mm. to them for years maybe like because like she doesn't she hasn't she never seen like their bird before and they've got like a bird that flies around uh she's like is that new it's like no we had it we got him like a couple of years ago so you you get the sense that like maybe she's seen them in passing but she hasn't taken the time to or like she's just so like she's not emotionally ready to go and see them yeah yeah it's like she's worrying it's going to bring up too much and she's going to just put herself in a horrible place mentally yeah mm. it's about like moving on as well like moving on from like trauma yeah and, um, trying to put things in in the past yeah it's quite a good like display of grief in a way and how like it's completely consumed her and she's like kind of tried to bottle it up until it she couldn't hide it anymore and had to confront it in a way i feel like that was kind of what i got out of a lot of the film like she just had to confront the grief that she was feeling and finally put it behind her. Yeah, yeah. she like seeks Clyde out for like an apology, some kind of apology or resolution. In that moment, I was like, I don't know what you think this could really help, to be honest. I feel like in these situations, it's probably better just to move on. But then she's out here trying to like cram away into his life and ruin his life, getting back, put back in prison, mm. like frame him for rape. <laughs> that was like, that was a brutal scene when she like hit herself with that rock. Yeah, yeah, that was super disturbing. Yeah, that that whole sequence in his flat is like pretty uncomfortable to watch because at that point you kind of know what she's doing mm. and you know that obviously this isn't going to end well for Clyde, but he's completely unaware of it. He just thinks she's a bit kinky. <laughs> yeah, got to respect the film for showing a fully erect penis. You don't see that often in film. <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa, that like flew out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear. She didn't thank the bus driver. That really pissed me off. When she got off that bus, she just like left. She didn't even thank the bus driver. I'm like, yeah, the <sighs> bus driver that like just gave her a free ride. Yeah, oh. yeah, he did. It was really nice. Yeah. Always thank the bus driver. God damn. Yeah, that's a very British in a barn. thing, isn't it? Yeah. Always upset when I get off a bus. Nobody thanks the bus driver. I'm like, yeah. Scum. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way they kind of villainize Clyde throughout. And then you slowly get to know him more and more and realise that he's just a very flawed person and there is something to him. He's not a completely terrible person like you're made to think at first. And you especially get that like in the last scene of Jackie and Clyde together where she's like, they're talking, like he knows who she is exactly. And she's like trying to get like an explanation and an apology out of him. You realise just... That how this huge mistake has like completely ruined his life, and that mm. wasn't what he wanted. He want 
it's like a proper life with his daughter and how just his one mistake just ruined it for him and how he's like he's trying to have a fresh start and like have a good life and at least try and live it in some way so I felt quite bad for him in some ways and I think they yeah. did a good job of slowly making you care for him at least a little bit yeah, yeah he's definitely. like not allowed to see his daughter or like you get like that little moment where she picks up the photo of his daughter she's like who's this he's like that's my daughter I can't see her or she's like really this is your daughter I don't see any resemblance she doesn't look like your daughter he's like maybe it's in the nose he's like no I don't don't see it. and that's like a way of like putting him down as well like making him mm. feel like worse yeah it's like she's saying you don't deserve to have a daughter after what you did to mine like mm. yeah yeah it's uh, not a very happy movie at all no, no it's a happy blink. ending mm, well, it's quite a happy ending but it's also not a happy ending for us because it reminds us that we're constantly being yeah <laughs> I do agree that it that, that theme of like I suppose it was quite novel in 2007 but now yeah. in 2021 where there's so many films about how we're always being surveyed and watched it just seems to like hit you over the head with it yeah yeah now we're being surveyed and watched in new and different ways they couldn't yeah. even have dreamed of back in 2006. <laughs> I think mostly that would have been like a boring job though. Oh yeah, definitely. It looks quite bo- boring. Yeah. I like the usage of like a, a piano cover of Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division at the end. I feel it was um, mm. quite an emotional, like ve- quite almost like depressing like way to end the film, but I thought it was very fitting. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's a depressing movie. <laughs> Very bleak. See, a lot of like these Dogma 95 movies are quite depressing and bleak. And they tackle harsh subjects. I think that's a good way to like frame it, or, like film a, a movie. If you're going for something that requires realism, uh, something that requires you to really feel what these characters are feeling because it feels so natural, then that's a good way to, to make the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It was... um. I think because it was a co-production with uh, I forget the Dogma ninety five studio name, but um, there was it was intended that there was going to be a trilogy with these characters. So obviously you've got Red Road, which was the first one. I think there was a second one that came out about Clyde's mate and his girlfriend, um, but then the third one just never got made. I think they've scrapped the trilogy now. Yeah, apparently it was like called the Advance Party. It was inspired by like a conversation a group of directors had with Lars von Trier. Yeah. I don't know if I would watch the second movie, honestly, because a lot of this movie is just kind of me sitting there understanding exactly what's happening. Um, mm. And I, as much as I, I think the acting is good, I didn't really connect much with any of the characters, really. Maybe like the person you're supposed to connect to is like Jackie, but because there's this big mystery around it and like you, you kind of semi understand what she's doing, it makes it hard to connect with her as a person because maybe in the end like she's wrong you don't know yeah yeah i get that to be fair mm. supposedly the second movie like has a completely different tone like it's more of a dark comedy i've heard it's not very good mm. <laughs> damn yeah that i missed it yeah <laughs> i'd watch that one it was like super sad when like she got her daughter's clothes out of a box and, like stuffed them to make a doll and she just hugs it and cries oh yeah that was brutal yeah. Um, where I work is like, I work in Haven, which is like quite a strange place, anyways. But mm-hmm. the amount of people, like women that come in with plastic babies, 
because oh, yeah. they've either like had a baby like taken off of them because they can't care for it or like the baby's passed away and they've had like a mental break and they get given a plastic baby like it just like it's really horrible to see now that like I know what they're actually for yeah yeah and oh, that scene kind of like brought that all home where it's like oh god it must be so difficult to like lose a kid yeah can't even imagine honestly mm. didn't no. like that part where like she she goes to the house party and then like there's a dog there and the, the girl like tries to feed it but she just like tips the food on the floor this dirty mucky floor and the dog <laughs> eats the food off the floor that was disgusting <laughs> I liked that well, dog it was a cute dog was a cute dog don't make it eat off the floor <laughs> <laughs> it just disappears after that as well like in the house party I was like this is not safe for a dog to be running around no, not at all yeah, like when there was like a point where the dog, the dog, like starts whining in a different room, and he like shouts, "Leave my dog alone!" I say, mm, "Bloody hell! Who would want to hire a locksmith that's been to prison?" That's what he says. Yeah, it's a fair um, point. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, exactly." He's like, Clyde's trying to get his life back on track, but meanwhile, it's like anybody can Google you. Yeah, yeah. Again, with the theme of like, yeah, everyone knows who you are. That's also like maybe a commentary on like, uh, uh, like work in in britain or like the economy and uh like the jobs market uh people who serve their time and they're like not criminals anymore but they they find it just like impossible to get jobs and Mm. like it's probably especially hard for people who who are living like day to day on like government subsidies and uh yeah like just live in these crap shacks of places that no one cares about yeah yeah i think um this film really shows just like how prison doesn't rehabilitate at all it doesn't help offenders get out and be able to like competently live in the world which is why a lot of them end up reoffending anyways but yeah i thought that was quite interesting yeah we need better systems please Definitely. <laughs> didn't, like, um, didn't like how clyde flirted i was like this is how you're flirting really he's like oh you've got nice breasts you're a sexy fucking bitch yeah <laughs> right. what the fuck <laughs> yeah there's one I don't want to say it because it made me cringe so bad. But it's when he's talking to Jackie at the pub. He's like, I want to taste your C-U-N-T. And I was like, oh, oh God, God yeah. that is disgusting. Yeah, that was really cringy. And then he's cringy. like, did that, did that do it for you? Did you like that? I'm like, yeah. fuck, would like that. Yeah, I watched oh, it dude. with my girlfriend. We both cringed at that line. <laughs> well, are we good to get into ratings? Or do we have anything else to add? I think I'm all right. Yeah, I think we're good to go to ratings. Nice. Should we rate this out of char-char slides? Yeah, they do that. That was a throwback. Yeah. It's reminded me of every year six disco ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. This was a really great movie. Super powerful, disturbing, really well acted, really well shot. Just was very claustrophobic. I thought it was just really well made movie. I'm gonna give it nine char char slides out of ten. Nice. Um I liked it a bit less, I think. Um we live in a surveillance state. But at least the movie's good. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it shows Britain very well, re- realistic light. Um, I think, I don't know if I would recommend this to anyone. Maybe maybe I would, uh, especially like people who live in Britain, I guess. There's a lot to take away from it. But at the same time, I think like the, the main pole of it is like this mystery. I didn't really get much from the mystery itself, uh, and especially like when it was revealed, I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> I kind of f- felt like that was what was going on." Anyway, um, so it didn't really surprise me in really any way. So I'm probably going to give it a 
six charge our slides out of ten. Nice. Yeah, I agree. I think I, like when you know what's going on, because it's the second time I've watched it, it's kind of like doesn't hold up as well. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of other things I picked up this time that I enjoyed a lot more. And like I said, it's like it's just refreshing to see a story about actual British working class people that's not like condescending. Um, so yeah, I'd probably give it like an eight charge our slides out of ten. Mm-hmm. Awesome, nice. We all liked it. It was a decent week. We liked a lot of these movies. Wonderful. That's episode 30. We made it. Finally, we can quit. (laughs) Just joking. We're never going to quit. We're going to go until the world ends. Yeah. We've got some recommendations for episode 31 now, I believe. Yeah. Did you want to say the guest's recommendation first? Yeah, sure. Um, We've got a guest. Next week, we got uh, my cousin Robin. She's coming on. Her recommendation was a 2016 movie. It's available on Netflix. It was directed by Alexandra Lemon. Or, or Lemon. Lemon? Lemon. Not Lemon, uh, but Lemon. Uh, it's called Blue Jay. Oh, nice. I like that film a lot. So I'm looking forward to talking oh, nice. about it. Mm-hmm. I'm picking a film that I've never watched, but I know you've watched Max. It sounds. Um, mm-hmm. absolutely batshit insane. Oh, so I'm very interested to watch it. It's on YouTube. Um, oh, not under the British title. It's like under its original. Don't know what language it's in, but it's this original title. It's got English subtitles and stuff. I'm picking yep. the 1973 film directed by Alejandro Jodorowsky, The Holy Mountain. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay looking forward to finally uh, watching it sounds yeah ridiculous it's pretty ridiculous honestly i'm sure we'll have a lot to say about that uh it's a good movie too and uh my recommendation had a tough time i only picked it like today like a couple of hours ago because i just forgot to recommend i uh, forgot to pick a recommendation but it yeah, is. I was the exact same today, to be honest. Yeah, I was like scrambling. I was like, oh, Jesus, what can I pick? What's on like Netflix? <laughs> um, so, and this this one's also in the 1001 Movies to See Before You Die book. So that's like mainly why I'm picking it. And also I just, I think it's probably going to be quite good. Um, it's from Saudi Arabian film director Haifa Al-Mansur. And it is from 2012. It is called Wadja. Wadja. W A D J D A. Fuck. W A D J D A. That's how it's spelled. Uh, Wadja. <laughs> I don't think I pronounced that right, but that's what the film is. Those that's are recommendations. Been meaning to watch it for a while, so it should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got uh, episode 35 coming up soon in a few weeks and we've got a show to discuss when that comes around just reminding you all season one of Westworld watch that uh, we will and we got our social media accounts we got YouTube the Sunday Movie Marathon Twitter at Sunday Movie Pod Facebook at Sunday Movie Marathon and Letterboxd at Sunday MM thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Sunday Movie Marathon and thank you again Kai for coming on Second, uh, first time we've ever had a guest on for the second time. Wonderful. No worries, any time. Had a good time. It's always fun to just talk to some friends about some films. It is. That's why we do this every week. So I have something to look forward to. Doesn't make me want to stick pins in my eyes. 
Fantastic. Uh, any last words? Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. You listening to this. Thank you so much. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Sunday movie marathon forever. Class, you're a Paris bullshit.